0: Hello and welcome to The Prestige, all about films, filmmaking and film theory.
1: Each week we pick a movie, we review it, we talk about it and discuss some of the ideas that it throws up.
0: And as always we'll end with our recommendations for other films to watch inspired by the movie of the week.
1: Before we kick off with the film proper, we have a little catch up on what else we've been watching this
0: week. Right. Right. I'm going to go first because I've only seen one thing at the cinema this week and I have a feeling you've seen it as well. So uh, I'm going to get in my mention of Suicide Squad first. I haven't seen it, but carry on. You haven't seen no. it? I thought you were going to see it. I did. Okay. I didn't, didn't get the end. Okay, right. Um, yes, Suicide Squad. <sighs> yeah, not great. Um, my, my other half loved it and... Love it is a bit strong She was thoroughly entertained by it Um, She didn't think it was particularly good But she thought it was It was a fun film And I don't I've had had a think about it afterwards She brought up the fact that I've been particularly down on A lot of comic films Recently And I wonder why that was Burnout? Maybe, maybe so there were a couple of good things. Will Smith was... Well, Will Smith isn't bad in anything, but I, I'm i never sure that Will Smith's absolutely amazing, apart from in Men in Black. Um, But he was a, a safe pair of hands in this. There are a couple of good acting performances. Margot Robbie was brilliant. But, yes, maybe it's Burnout, like you say, but I'm not sure that... Uh, DC quite in, in
1: the mark with this. I think DC are struggling with their uh, movies. They haven't quite found their, their niche yet. No. Uh, trying to be the, the, the grim and dark version of Marvel isn't quite paying off for them. Um, but yeah, I I, I want to see it at some point because I think it's an interesting film to see. But yeah, I'm not putting good things from it. So I'm going you know, to kind of quickly go through the three things I've been watching this week that are worth mentioning Um, I cannot remember if I mentioned it last week but I've been catching up on Mr. Robot so I've caught up further on that and it continues to be brilliant I have caught up on the new series of Robot Wars which the nerd in me adores so that's the new after about 12 years off the screens in the UK that's come back and it is uh, as as it ever was really it's robots fighting um, other robots and the only film I've seen the last week um, is a film that I don't think anyone else has probably ever heard of, um, and that is the 1994 film called Apex. Apex is, I believe, a straight to VHS um, release. Those of you following me on Twitter know that I have a a VHS collection, and I try and add to it whenever I can. And a lot of it is in the kind of the, what otherwise be termed as terrible B movies or straight to VHS releases and that kind of thing, and I'm trying to watch through some of my own, the ones I own that I've never seen. So Apex Advanced Prototype Exploration Unit. I will read you the synopsis as I have in front of me, which is a time travel experiment in which a robot probe was sent from the year 2073 to the year 1973 goes terribly wrong, thrusting one of the project scientists, a man called Nicholas Sinclair, into a plague-ravaged alternate timeline in which war-weary inhabitants are locked in a constant battle of killer robots that are automatically being sent there from his lab. To escape the situation, Sinclair must find a similar time machine in this alternate world and prevent this disaster from ever happening.
0: That sounds terrible
1: or amazing I'm not sure It sits somewhere between the two is all I can say. You've got to have a love for this kind of 90s, 80s sci-fi. It's low budget but high concept Um, so I'm well aware that this is not going to appeal to 95% of people who listen to our show Um, but I am trying to wade through some of my videos and this is my my watch from this weekend.
0: Well on with film which we can talk about more now. Um, I was conscious of avoiding spoilers for a fairly current cinema release, but we'll have a general spoiler warning as always for our film of the week, which is the 2012 film, The Bourne Legacy. Jason Bourne was the tip of the iceberg. Who the hell is he? He's an outcome agent. Treadstone without the inconsistency. We have never seen evaluations like this. Legacy is the fourth in the Braun franchise, although, as As Rob mentioned last week, as we talked about last week, is it really a franchise anymore? And Legacy stars Jeremy Brenner as Aaron Cross. And this is the first entirely non-Matt Damon film. Aaron Cross is a CIA agent who is part of the same network as Jason Bourne, but is on a different programme. This alternative programme is called Outcome and consists of operatives like Bourne, but who are this time medicated. Outcome is compromised, the management decide to kill all the agents and the scientists working the program, and Cross goes on the run with one of the scientists, played by Rachel Weisz, as they are. Once again, Rob will be maybe a bit disappointed to hear, hunted by the US authorities. So I suggested that there might have been a little disappointment there, but what were your general thoughts, Rob?
1: I think this is the best Bourne film since the first one. Okay. Um, Or this is the best film since the first one. I genuinely, top to bottom, enjoyed this film. I think that Jeremy Renner brings a charisma to the role that has been lacking from Matt Damon in the last few I think that I really enjoyed seeing one of these operatives operating in an environment that wasn't urban. The opening scene, opening section of his hymn out in the wilds of Alaska. So I very much enjoyed seeing that kind of that, that skill set applied somewhere else. And I think that was very exciting for me. I think it an interesting thing. I think I had a great chase scene. I did have a slight problem with Rachel Vice's character as being the kind of damsel in distress that I thought we kind of moved away from in cinema. Um and the film did kind of fall into the trap of kind of going, Well you thought you knew what was going on, but there's a seemingly another programme with another people. But I did I thought that there were some really good pieces I think the scene in which um the uh, Dr uh, Foyt shoots up the lab and kills a bunch of scientists is a great, very very emotive scene. I think that the Alaska scenes are great. I think the the bike chase in um, the Philippines, is very very good. I genuinely really enjoyed it. I think that it was it was the best of the of the franchise since the thousand. Sam, I feel somehow you disagree with me.
0: When things like this come up, I I really <laughs> like this podcast, and I really look forward to doing this episode. Once I heard what you had to say about it, because although we. We do several episodes where we're generally in tune with each other and as Rob has said before we don't we're not unkind reviewers so we're not gonna be um negative for the sake of it just to provoke some conflict. It is quite a lot of fun when we disagree about a film. Yes. So I really didn't like this film. But I wonder before I get to what I didn't like about it, I wonder whether I didn't like it because I like the Bourne film so much and because this isn't really a Bourne film.
1: No. I I, I, I would agree with you there. I think I haven't overly enjoyed the last two films. Mm. So at which point this has been a a breath of fresh air to me and a return to form, whereas you have enjoyed it, so the changes here won't resonate with you as they did with me.
0: Yes, and for that reason, I tend to think of this film as something gone awry, a bit of a misstep, but it's interesting that you see the same things from a different perspective and think, well this is a this is a reboot, this is a a refresh, this is a breath of fresh air
1: mm. well, I, I think for me. It felt like Bourne's story has been told, mm. that that that's done, that's moved on, and now there's a chance to tell a different story in the same one. That's where you start moving into the world of franchises. There's a different story being told in the same world,
0: mm.
1: and I would probably say that it isn't quite as different as I'd like it to be. you know, you have still got, you know, a shadowy organization hunting down an on-the-run agent, and all of that. But I just I, I enjoyed it a lot more.
0: I just, hmm. Okay, there there are a couple of things that that I really didn't get about this. A a couple of the potholes didn't really make sense to me. Um, Why were the wolves following him, for one? He, He makes a big thing of it to his fellow outcome operative, and then he doesn't really provide a reason. He just says, well, I don't know why they're following me even when the other guy says, well, they never do that. See, I thought that
1: was explained to myself. I thought when he turned around and said, maybe they didn't think you're human, that to me was, was the foreshadowing of when he finds out that he's virled out his pills. Oh, but he He has now moved beyond human, and so the wolves that would be scared of a human aren't scared of him.
0: All right, that's one off the list. Next one was, why does that YouTube clip of the two guys together, mean that they immediately have to, quote-unquote, burn the programme to the ground, get rid of outcome entirely. It just seems unnecessary. I'm with the guy who questions Edward Norton. I just think, well, why so over the top?
1: I completely agree. That one, I was like, it felt like a contrivance to kick all this off. Mm. I assume the idea being that that one doctor who's going down for um, the issue of the previous films would in sort of infect all the other programs through this friendship, but given that they then killed that first doctor in a heart attack, yeah, it's like I do felt that felt like a contrivance. Mm. And I suppose like this is the crux of it, our difference here is as you said, it, like this probably doesn't feel like a born film. If it was closer to a spy film, mm. a general spy film, and maybe that's why I doing it more.
0: I think that it just felt that with these um, medicated operatives, they were very, they were very different from what the the Bourne operatives, the Blackbeard and Treadstone operatives of the first couple of films were, and Bourne wasn't medicated, and he wasn't a chemical experiment in that way. He also didn't feel a part of the programme. He felt very much a lone wolf. And the thing about Bourne, the thing for me that drives those first three films, and maybe something that you were tired with by the end, was the fact that Bourne is a lone wolf. And the moment you suggest that there's anything more than him and a couple of others, him and Clive Owen and a couple of others, you kind of undermine the essence of what it is to be Bourne. I just felt that what it was doing in this film was kind of rewriting the first few films in kind of something we have talked about before with what Indiana Jones and King Christmas Skull does is it goes back and puts in some exposition that the first films didn't warrant. I just felt that it was. They were trying to make something more of the Treadstone Black Briar programmes than there necessarily were in the first couple of films.
1: I can see what you're saying, and I think there's a tendency here to, as I said, to have another secret superhuman spy programme. Mm. Um, and I, I do think that the one line that I, can, like, I keep coming back to from that very first film is when the boss basically says to Bourne, I didn't send there to kill him, I could send Nicky to kill him, Mm. I wanted to send you so it looked like it was an accident Yes, and it felt like the Bourne in that first film was like he was a scalpel he was sent in to do a very particular very sharp work mm. in this you've got this the Uber operative um, who is a s- bombastic blow up half a city kind of operative mm. and I, feel, I see what you're saying that the operatives feel like very different operatives they feel closer to Superhumans at times, I suppose, and as they are, they're literally saying we are taking them beyond human physiology. Yeah, Um, but I suppose for me, the thing that I come back to is that I, what I mentioned last week, I like the idea that Bourne is an operative. He isn't the operative. He isn't the super operative. He's just an operative, Mm. and I like that. And I think that's why the idea that they're throwing it wider and saying, yeah, there are more operatives. There are more stories to be told. I, that I enjoy and like the fact that you've got um, is it outcome three Oscar Isaacs who is uh, his contact slash whatever in, in the Arctic uh, there's clearly a story there there's clearly a backstory of why this outcome I mean, there are only six of them why that one was sent to a Arctic station to do nothing and that, that that's a story that I want to explore the idea of the extended universe within this world and I think that's where i I really embrace this, and I really like the film is that it have kind of, it opens up a a universe of stories, and that way the franchise is something that is worth doing We often on this on this podcast we have supposed to decry the franchise that uh, to franchise a movie seems like a commercial venture rather than an artistic one. Mm. You're going, I've got these characters, I've got this into the property. I can make more money off it by as they have done here. Dropping the main star, bringing a new star in, telling the same story in many ways, if you took the born references out of this film, it could be a great just little action film, little square film. so I think that there's a myself I have a natural reaction to fra- to franchising films. It feels like a a commercially driven choice
0: yeah.
1: whereas here it felt more like they've got a story to tell or there's a, a wide universe to deal with.
0: I think, then, that it was a mistake making this a Bourne film. And I think part of that is they feel a bit hamstrung by having to mention Bourne. Yes. Because there is, like you said, there is this wider universe of operatives. And it would have been a much better film, I think, if they just moved away from Bourne. Because they they say several times, repeatedly, Bourne is amazing, and don't don't you understand? You're never going to catch him. But then you see someone who is clearly physically better than Bourne. You have that Lux agent who is shot in the back, survives a motorbike crash, and gets up and chases German runner. Mm. So he's he is obviously physiologically better than Bourne. So it feels a little bit hamstrung by that, because they keep saying, "Oh yeah, but Bourne's the ultimate," and you think, "Well, well, no, he's really not. We've seen what the ultimate can be, and it's moving beyond Bourne."
1: And I think I mentioned this last week with the um, Italian job remake. That, to me, is is the Italian remake is the height of the franchising problem. It's a good film, but then you just slap a name on it to sell it. And I suppose maybe that maybe that's it—that I enjoyed this as a brilliant film, but whether it was a good Bourne film is a different question.
0: Mm.
1: I would probably concede that it isn't a great Bourne film. Whatever the, the sort of the the tenets and and the, the markers of a Bourne film are, this probably doesn't have all of those. Mm. But I did think it was having watched two films that left me a bit dry and a bit dull. This felt like one I actually enjoyed watching more.
0: One thing I really did enjoy and I was sad they didn't make more of was the bit where Aaron talks about his recruiting through the army Mm. and the fact that his recruiter added 12 IQ points and that's the reason why he doesn't want to crash because if he crashes mentally he seriously crashes and that's potentially really interesting this story of is it army corruption? Mm. Um, why are these young men being driven to do something which they're not? They're not able to do. That was that was something I really wanted more of.
1: I I, I think that's an interesting that, that I would like to have seen exposed more of. It felt like previously you looked at like Treadstone and Blackbriar, and they are taking the best of the best mm. and making them and, and training them to be better, whereas Outcome feels more like they're taking. You know, who can we get away with just taking and then using them to raise them up? And there was a, a different approach to the two two projects that I would have liked to see more made of, shall we say.
0: Yeah, and um Jason Bourne was Captain David Webb and Aaron Cross was just a private first class. And you, mm. and you think it's exactly that, you just... You're taking, effectively, the dregs and seeing what you can do with them. Nobody really cares about them because they were 12 IQ points off the the lower limit. So you're not going to break anything. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's... And I would like to see more around that. I would like to see more interplay on that. Because I did feel at times that that was a contrived reason to get them to the Philippines and to give it some agency. Mm which I think at times he did lack a little bit and you're right, there, there are some, some plot holes, like how they know where the Doctor lived um, the science behind the viralling out is a questionable one, shall we say yeah, but I think it is also interesting that at no point did they have any inkling of who was following or trying to get them, that they were just being attacked and needed to get run away they, there was no confrontation between them and Norton's character, no there was no interaction whatsoever between Norton's character and, and, and the two of them. Beyond the involvement of the other agent right at the end, they were just being perceived by nam- faceless and nameless people.
0: And that's weird because it kind of forces the, the, the viewer to become a mediating party mm. because the viewer is the person who has to engage with Aaron Nassi's going through this process of being attacked, and then the viewer is the person who has to sit and watch Edward Norton being wracked by guilt when he thinks about killing Aaron or overcome by it at the end of the film. There are these these close ups on Edward Norton's face, but you're right, there's something strange. Then those two never actually meet, no, and it's the viewer who has to mediate that.
1: The cynic in me, the um. Sort of the film industry cynic and me, I I would look at that and think, well, maybe was it shot in that manner? Was was there a a driven by Rachel Weiss and Jeremy Renner film that was then reworked to have some Bourne connections?
0: Because
1: mm. if you if you took out the scenes with Ed Norton and just had the Renner stuff and the Rachel Vice stuff, then there is no reference of Bourne whatsoever apart from one shot of. Jason Bourne carved under, under, in, underneath the bed in the Arctic it felt very much like you kind of went oh well let's, let's beef up this up and make it more of a Bourne film
0: yeah and I, I did notice that it happened to start with your least favourite bit of the third film it was just a a reminder for you how bad the editing was at the end of the third film
1: I suppose that that's the that nail of the head is that I enjoyed it as a film but I can totally see where it come from a, from a Bourne film point of view some of the throwbacks and it just felt heavy handed in that places Mm -hmm. but I think that there's if we want to talk about franchising of films and and how films franchise this wasn't an interesting one because they they have dropped almost every character from the first film there are visual references to various characters and you have at the end a a little clip of Pam Landry and a few things like that but all the active players in this are entirely new Mm. So everyone at all times has to remind you that it is in this world because otherwise you wouldn't know. Yeah. And it does feel to me like they were trying to launch a new franchise here. It seems it's not happened.
0: Yes. It it really it seems it really hasn't happened because Greengrass has seemed to be I and mean, he's he's back in the in the director's saddle. So this this uh, Jeremy Renner project seems to be a, it's so, a uh, Paul Gilroy thing. Is it Paul Gilroy or Tony Gilroy? Tony Gilroy. Um, so, yeah, and I'm not sure Green Greengrass wants to go back to it.
1: Mm. It, it feels... It's, I, can, I can totally see why, from a commercial point of view, this feels like the first step towards a commercial look on these films, and the move towards more of a Bond-style strategy mm. of, of, a, of a world in which different people come and play.
0: Yeah. I did think there were there were a couple of really good things about the film. Um, Elizabeth Marvel and Corey Sill from House of Cards were, were very good. Rachel Weiss, although I didn't always find the chemistry between her and Jeremy Renner, great. She was good as an independent, youngish, successful woman in the scientific field. That's... Something you don't always get. Although, like you said, she is ultimately a damsel in distress.
1: Yeah, that—that I mean, she was very good. But I I do feel like... It felt like there's a bit when she was... um, They're riding on motorbikes and she's hanging off her back and she's grabbed off of a a bus because she was scared. It just felt like a... I don't know, it felt like a ten years ago way of treating women Mm. in films. Uh, When we have films these days... I mean, admittedly, this was made... Only four years ago, but these days we've got you know so many strong female leads in films and strong female characters that it just felt like I'm not quite sure why this person couldn't be slightly more impressive. Yeah, because you you're told that she's smart and she's got a PhD, but beyond putting an injection in her arm, you, you, she doesn't use it at any point. No, if she's been using her her knowledge to solve something or get him out of situations then that would have been i suppose better for me but it just felt like she was being a bit kind of she was there to be some of him to save
0: mm. her only role seemed to be explaining to him how he could be borrowed out and where he could go to do that it was like she she was there to him to go to manila and then he did everything else
1: i don't know it felt like a a, th- a bad throwback. Mm. I will. Want, I do want to say that Edward Norton is a great casting for a a slimy like middle management guy. He was. He, I really enjoyed his role there.
0: Edward Norton, one of the most underrated actors of the past twenty years, he is very good.
1: So Sam, do you have some further reading for us?
0: Yes, I have a couple of films. Suggest- I've suggested that this isn't my so I'm not going to go thematically but there are a couple of um, films linked to by the protagonists in this um, and Jeremy Renner reminds me of a film which is not great but it is great fun and it's a more recent film in a franchise that I've talked about in association with Born Before um, it's twenty eleven's film, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, and I saw this for the second time recently, and thoroughly enjoyed it. There aren't many films that I really, really enjoy watching the second time round. I mean, I I don't like popcorn because I'm I'm a deviant, Sweet. but this is popcorn film watching. This is. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's not great, but there's there's a lot to be enjoyed about it. So Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Brilliant. And my second um, actor link this week is to an earlier Rachel Weiss film, is the 2002 film about a boy. Mm-hmm. Hugh Grant, the... Breakout film for Nicholas Holt, who since gone on to do lots of other things, including one of Rob's films of last year. Mad Max. Yes, mm-hmm. I do like um, Nick Hornby books, Nick Hornby films based on those, um, and yes, Rachel Weisz is, is thoroughly enjoyable in About a Boy from two thousand two.
1: Brilliant. I this week have taken a different tack and gone as we've occasionally done you've done all the actors and I've done all the crew which I'm okay with as a as as a way of doing things so my first link is through the cinematographer, the cinematographer is Robert Ellswit, he's not a name you know but you would know all his films he actually did do Ghost Protocol that you just mentioned but the one I want to sort of pull out is the 1990 film by Paul Thomas Anderson Magnolia This film is—it's a long film, and it is kind of one of the very first big mainstream ensemble films. Uh, You've got everyone is kind of in it. Shall we say everyone from Tom Cruise? You've got Julianne Moore in it. You've got um, all the sort of big names playing. Some playing its type. um, Some playing objectable characters but it's all about how over the course of this film it all comes together into one beautiful moment um, which I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't seen the film but it is it is a filmic experience but it is that kind of ensemble cast of different storylines coming together at one point it's hard to explain what it's about because it isn't really about anything um, but it is beautiful and it's well acted um, and it isn't one that is talked about a lot these days
0: Alfred Molina William H. Macy, Philip Seymour Hoffman, John C. Reilly, Julianne Moore.
1: It's a good cast. Mm. It's a good cast.
0: Yeah.
1: Secondly, I've followed the route of the editor, who is John Gilroy, I assume related to the director, Tony Gilroy. And he was the editor on a film from 2013 that is the very opposite extreme from Magnolia, and that is Guillermo del Toro's Kaiju versus Giant Robot Monster, Pacific Rim this film divided a lot of audiences when it came out because it is a bit bombastic, it is a bit paper thin at times and you have to suspend a lot of disbelief to watch it but I absolutely loved it I think it is in terms of a visual ex- cinema experience it is wonderful and I think everyone in it is great and it's well it looks beautiful and it's well edited so Pacific Rim, I feel Sam isn't going to like Pacific Rim um, but I'm not sure
0: I haven't seen it so
1: well that's one for the list in the future
0: yeah <laughs> it's amazing um, ne- next week we bring our Bourne season to an end with the most recent Bourne film just called Jason Bourne which Rob you still haven't seen
1: I haven't seen yet, but I will, I will check it out this week in time for us to watch it next week. Good. So you can find us both on Twitter, at Petty Podcast.
0: You can find me at life underscore academic.
1: Or you can find just me at Rob Kaiju. And we will see you guys back here next week. Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr.